boy, have we got a treat for you. We've got a really special episode for you guys this week. Last Friday, we were part of a virtual panel for Ice and Fire Con. It was Hannah, myself, and Lady Gwen from Radio Westeros. And it was their Halloween special for the year. And we're releasing it today as a podcast episode because it was a blast. And they said we could. And we loved it. Yeah, it was so much fun. Zach and I were in the same place celebrating Halloween, which is really awesome. And then we called Lady Gwen and we talked for an hour. The title of the panel was A Song of Ice and Fire's Warm Bodies. So we basically talked about zombies and A Song of Ice and Fire. And it was really fun. It was like a little bit more low-key than what we usually do. And we just had a good time talking about some of the different Halloween creepy things in A Song of Ice and Fire. If we're lucky next year, we should be able to do the con as normal and hang out with everyone in Mount Sterling, Ohio at Deer Creek Lodge on April 22nd through 25th for Ice and Fire Con and do this stuff in person. But it was fun to be able to do it digitally for now. But if you have any interest in going whatsoever next year, Hopefully it happens. You can you can go then. Yeah, and if you want to check out some of their other content, they've done a couple other panels that have already happened. You were on one um, a couple weeks ago. About there's a couple more. Yeah, there's a couple more coming up. I think in November, so you can find those on the Ice and Fire Con YouTube channel, and you can find the video of this as well if you wanted to see um, Zach's costume and my glow sticks. <laughs> uh, Ice and Fire. Con.com is where you can get all that info. And thanks to all of them for inviting us and letting us be a part of everything for these past few years. It's been awesome. And we look forward to many more. Enjoy the panel. Goodbye. All right. We are live. Um, thank you guys for joining the uh, Warm Bodies in ASOF uh, virtual panel. Um, I'm Tara. I am the organizer of Ice and FireCon. I am just here to bring this all together and then I'm going to bow out for the virtual panel itself and just come back in at the end to say goodbye. But um, thank you again for Lady Gwen from Radio, uh, Radio Westeros, sorry, and Hannah and Zach from Game of Owns for joining us. Um, you guys feel free to introduce yourself and then dive into this topic of the undead and have fun and I'll see you in about an hour. All right. Thank you. Thanks, thank you. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. Lady Gwen. <laughs> I love the glasses. Yeah, what's going on? What is the, what, is, what would you call it? You said it was a motley? I don't know. It's just stuff that I have. <laughs> what does George mean when he says motley? You know? Um, you it's there. like clothes that are, you know, um, like patched together, sewn together. So, yeah. The glasses aren't really going to work for very long because I can't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> I like the it's nose like, look. That's good, too. Me <laughs> too. I think I'll just... That was for effect. Now I'm just going to wear my actual glasses <laughs> so I can see <laughs> what's happening. That was a short-lived, like, uh, part of your costume just there. Like, it left quick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I didn't have to read anything or look at people, you know, they would have lasted a lot right. longer. But, right. but, um, but no, we're here to, you know, um, talk to each other and everybody else about Hi, um, zombies. Hey, everybody. Um, the the so, day, the night before Halloween. Yeah, so it's here we are. Spooky. I'm really excited for this. <laughs> I wanted to have this conversation in general for a long time, so I'm so glad we got to do it with you. Thank you. It's me too. Very excited for this. And we have a lot of good, uh, you know, we've got some good things to talk about. So, yeah, there's a, a lot, lot of, of things to talk about. I feel like there keeps, like, I keep adding to the list as you I'm like just, reading through. I was just she, adding. She was to going through just now, like, five different details of, like, underneath five different details about fire whites, like, talking about their physical representations. It's like, we're going too deep right now. We have to work through this with her <laughs> on the panel. That's the point of the panel. It's what we're going to talk about. There's just so much that we don't know. I mean, so zombies, really, I guess, you know, when you talk about them in a song of ice and fire there's just so many things that we just don't know. And a lot of questions when we talk about like end game type of stuff, and we'll get into people like John coming back to life, Melisandre's role, all these kinds Mm -hmm. of things. There's so many questions that we have left open on this topic. So I think it's really interesting because there's not a lot of, there's us like reading through a couple of highlights of like important things that have happened in the series so far, but most of it Mm -hmm. just leads to a lot of open-ended questions. And so when we think about like, 
the others and hard home happening and you know so we'll get into all of that but we will are there any are there any questions that I really love what you just said, and that makes me really appreciate the point in the story that we're currently at right now with two books left. Are there any questions that you feel like could be in that category, but now being as far as we are into the series that you've got like solid answers on? Do we have about solid answers on, on, on anything? About yeah. the undead. About <laughs> it's like, whatever you say now. The Lord of Light side of, about the, the ice side of things. Mm. Like either, either way, cause we've gotten, we've gotten different degrees of answers, like small reveals within these POV chapters of right. like uh, using, applying contextual clues from other ones that we've read and gotten direct answers from things like Lady Stoneheart. And then later it's happening mm-hmm. to Vic in the Dance with Dragons and are able to piece all this stuff together. Do you feel like with that being said, with the context without even going to the sample chapters, but we can talk about them if you want to. Do you feel like there's anything that you're like, aha, I kind of clearly see where this is going because we can go as far back as all the lore mentioned in Raven tree and start to fill in the pieces as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm wondering like where, where you stand on it. Cause we haven't actually talked about this yet. My hood keeps slipping down. No, I, I feel like <laughs> there's just still so many questions. Like actually when we get down to some of the, um, I just have questions about everything. There's basically three different kinds of zombies, right? There's, there's fire, there's ice. And then there's, um, Gregor. Right. Robert Strong. Kyburn thing. The Kyburn stuff, which I have questions about all of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want to know how it all works. <laughs> I think that's a good place to start though, because like you said, we've got these fire whites, we got the ice side, um, and I think we like sort of understand like a little bit of the mechanics of that a little bit. Like we've got mm-hmm. um, some background into different people who are using those type of magic. But when it comes to um, Kyburn and whatever he's doing with whatever he's doing, he's what just, is as he far doing? As we know, right. As far as you know, he's just a normal guy. Like he's just a guy out here whether it's necromancy or whether it's like some sort of sorcery that he's got going. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't quite yet know what on Gregor is, but whatever he's doing, it doesn't, we're not sure if it, is it magical? Is it like science? I don't know. And yeah. That's the thing. Fine. So I, th- I think with the other things, the answers we have, even if we don't really understand them, it's like, Oh, you've fire whites, which are created with fire magic or the, the, right. the, the ice, the others whites are created with ice magic. Yeah. And there's, so there's sort of, even though we don't really know all the mechanics of it, we, we get the kind of the system that's happening. Gregor, you know, or Kyburn, he is, he's just, he's kind of like a mad scientist He's you know, Dr. Frankenstein. And you know, what is he doing? Is he just stitching bits of dead bodies together how how does he manage to animate the 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 dead because i I think i don't know do you guys think gregor was literally actually dead and then revived i think that's a good question because there's theories you know that like his head was sent to dorn so like Mm -hmm. or his head wasn't sent to dorn yeah so if he's like this headless guy or if he has one <laughs> or if he just was like severely hurt and um, somehow like coaxed back to life. I mean, I love the idea of the I, I love it as we're like thinking about like Clegane Bowl, which this is obviously where the conversation is going to go with this. As we think about that trajectory, I love the idea of having this otherworldly thing that mm-hmm. is unfamiliar can't theoretically be defeated and that feels like such a Cersei thing to like have by her side as the rest of the world is crumbling I love the thought of it being some sort of like otherworldly thing and so different than the two big ones like this whole third category yeah and Kyburn being able to bring something back to life like that through whatever powers he has I think would be such an interesting concept just because we don't know a lot about how whatever he's doing works and so right it seems almost more sciencey which I think yeah yeah, I mean, I was reading like a bit thing. about about Frankenstein because we're doing a Perfect. stream tomorrow night too on Radio Westeros, and um, oh, so cool. I was reading about all this stuff a lot this week. And 
write about Frankenstein and his whole thing seems to have been more, you know, it wasn't really black magic or necromancy. It was kind of science. Like he discovered some scientific process that allowed him to reanimate the dead. And um, it would be confusing to other people at the time. And it would seem like he was performing some kind of a magic, but it was because yeah. he was doing things on a level they didn't understand, like biologically. Right. But yeah, I mean, I think within that, he was interested in sort of like chemistry and he did all these kind of weird chemical experiments. So, you know, is that Kyburn who claims that he knows more about, about the nature of death than anyone yeah. at the Citadel? In, is in is he just... Does hmm? he resurrect, does he create the, the monster using uh, like a charge to the nervous system of dead flesh? Is that what it is? I've actually never read the novel. I, I actually couldn't remember. And what I was reading last night said that it's left sort of vague. Like the, it talks about all of his experiments, but then how it happens. And if there's anybody else author. out there that knows better than that, <laughs> correct me. But, um, but yeah, it just. Interesting. We don't know of any lightning rod stuff stuff in King's Landing right now with, with Gregor or Kyvern or anything. And I feel like being in the depths of King's Landing would also not be the best place to be able to channel some of that. But there could be something for that. Could be something. Right. We just right. don't know. I don't know what kind of poison specifically was used on him from Oberyn Spear. So I, I really can't say whether or not like how deep Gregor was taken into his it sounds like it was pretty nasty, though. He, I mean, I'm sure it was. Let's say he was completely dead. Let's just go on that train. Is Kyburn really downstairs performing necromancy for real? Yeah. And what does that mean in the context of a song of ice and fire? Truly, because like, what are the creepiest insights into that? Have we really gotten? Are we talking about like things we've seen in Carve? Horrifying like, stuff. Like Mary's he's doing. Time. He's doing experiments with with all these women. Um, you know, Cersei keeps giving him females to do experiments on um he's he takes uh Sinel, her mate there's a couple of puppeteers and eventually um what's her name um uh fully stokeworth and you know we don't really know what he's doing but it's terrible what you know it's implied that it's pretty horrific and is I that he's probably sorry go on I don't know, I was just gonna say I don't know if it's related to what he's doing with Robert Strong because it, it all it seems predates creepy that. To me that it would be girls that he's just taking a bunch yes. of ladies down there. He's like, I need yeah. them for my specific experimentation. It's like he mm-hmm. might just understand molecular like microbiology better than everyone else on some level as far as masters are concerned. He's just getting a free supply of whatever girls he wants down the, yeah. the basement as well. Ugh. The basement just sounds like a good way to describe it, even though it's a little bit more specific, <laughs> a little bit more medieval. Yes, so exactly. weird. I'm glad we have that dark horse though in the series because it seems like on a on a fantasy level that the Lord of Light stuff and then the way he contextualizes the let's call it like the White Walker technology. Mm-hmm. I really love through the lens of I, I know that Relore is mentioned from I believe the first chapter after the pre uh, what is it the not prelude what is it called epilogue. epilogue yeah I feel like he's Lord of Lies mentioned in Daenerys's first chapter so it's like a, a part of the story but I think it easily glossed over in some way because it's like this can't be that important because we have all these characters to worry about but through the lens of the Lord of Light R'hllor this technology of fire whites whether or not it's affected or Jon Snow is affected by it but we know a lot of characters are I think that's really neat how he worked that in and then a little bit less, I think, subtle, but still really cool through the White Walkers. But I, I think that what's going on with Gregor, if we end up getting like a bigger picture of that through Kyburn or whatever, might end up being the most subtle sort of like multi-book explanation, like uh, uh, blossom of this weird kind of magic or technology within the story versus everything else, which is so interesting. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how it works. But you don't have, you, you guys don't have a specific, uh, you you think it's just what do you think? I know that Lady Gwen said it was probably just healing of some sort. What do you think? You think it's magic? Or do you think he's actually No, I I like the idea that it's like this healing, more like sciencey kinda It's not thing. like chanting and sacrificing those women. Yeah, because it brings like another side of what it means to like uh what's the word? It just it like it's another way to manipulate the universe almost. You know what I mean? Except for you're just mm-hmm. using yeah like science to practice the practice through like scientific i know nothing about science but anyway but like so <laughs> right exactly so Natural I, remedies i like the idea that it's like another side of being able to you know mm-hmm. manipulate the universe around you but instead of something magical um it's 
something worldly, which I think like adds I mean, another depth. So what if like this, I think the sand snakes, one of them says that, you know, the poison that was used on Gregor, I think it's manticore venom, but he had done mm-hmm. something to it, thickened it or something. Made it worse. Um, it's already bad enough. Says. It, it was something where, you know, it was altered somehow, maybe with magic or some other process that would draw out the suffering. Cause I think manticore venom on its own is supposed to be just instant death. So whatever it was, well, let's say that it's somehow polluted his blood. Cause Kyburn at one point tells Cersei that his blood is turned black and, you know, thick and it's kind of all oh, very, something weird is going on with his blood. His blood has been poisoned basically. Maybe it's something as simple as what he, what he needs these women for is he's like doing a blood transfusion. Right. Right. Sucking all their blood out yeah. and taking the bad blood out of, out of Gregor and giving him all this fresh stew blood. That's a good well, idea. if you look at like what scientific thought was around that time, you would think leeches. it all can't, yeah, like bloodletting and leeches and stuff. I mean, everything boiled yeah. down to what your blood was like at the time. And so, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I could, they used to like bloodlet people until they were basically killed them because of the loss of blood and not because of what was happening. Also, but they got addicted to that feeling. They're like, let me get a little bit. I got a headache right now. Sure, <laughs> sure. But like, so I could see, you know, that working at this in this that mindset doesn't Taylor Swift have a song about that bad blood she does <laughs> we can get into that later <laughs> <laughs> yes. I forgot about that detail right. though about Gregor's blood becoming like, glutinous and black so manicure yeah. venom is like a, a, a something with the like I'm a, this is a, I know the word hemoglobin it sounds sciencey but I guess the hemoglobin becomes thick the cells like slow down but my question though is right. like if Gregor's like reanimated, whatever that means, does that mean, I know we look at, at like fire whites and others, we know that like blood doesn't really flow through their veins. Mm-hmm. Like, and so mm. whatever Gregor's reanimation is, does he have, does he need blood to throw flow through his veins in order to be able to function and like live or is it something else? Yeah. I don't know. So has his blood been replaced or, or does he now need like a fresh supply? Like, Ooh. is there this, like vampire like he's got to think you got to feed him right <laughs> or something you know can you imagine it's like having a Come. tesla i guess it's just like having a gas car but we're the same way with food i mean we just have like this this like circulatory system that replenishes it so maybe they take the ability away by actually dying so d- does anyone mm-hmm. know and uh, i'm not reading the chat but maybe you guys could uh talk amongst yourself about this if we if anyone knows the answer, is there any kind of re- replenishing mechanism for both sides of the of what we've been talking about, whether it's fire and ice and the uh, sort of mm. undead category, whether or not they're finding a new way? The, the stream I was on last week, we talked about whether or not the White Walkers might do some kind of zombie fashion of like uh, eating dead bodies or something. You basically mm-hmm. said, no, that doesn't happen. But wouldn't that be neat? We don't technically know if they do or not. There's nothing like that from the lore, right? more of what like something to replenish mm. i don't yeah. really understand what the question like how do they ask. keep going like what's the what's the fuel behind their fire essentially mm. <laughs> their faith oh, in their god so like how do you keep them <laughs> i don't know the faith. well that's good um maybe we could um maybe we could get some insight from what George says That's a good about source, I think, for this. fire whites. You want to move yes. on to yeah, fire whites? Because we got a great quote of George, which actually it, it kind of answers these questions maybe in terms of the fire whites anyways. And um, this was back in 2017. So it's before season seven, um, but after season six in which John was resurrected at the, at the beginning of season six, the show and he was kind of talking about all of that john being resurrected and so he says poor beric dondarian who is set up as foreshadowing of all this every time he's a little less beric his memories are fading he's got all these scars he's becoming more and more physically hideous because he's not a living human being anymore his heart isn't beating his blood isn't flowing in his veins he's a white but a white animated by fire instead of ice. Now we're getting back to the whole fire and ice thing. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot there, a lot to unpack in that, but specific to what we were talking about, he's 
He doesn't have blood. He's got fire. Right. So his skin's not and healing it, itself. Yeah. But yeah. The, so he's just kind of, and I guess that's why, you know, you even, I don't you know. even see the ice others, zombies kind of disintegrating as they that's go. True. You know? Yeah. Their, their yeah. bones are always sticking out in strange ways, even in the description from the book. Yeah. Like, like the fresh the, ones are, are okay, but the yeah. ones that have been dead for. So if you've yeah. been dead for a while, you're probably walking against trees and stuff and like, Bits of you are falling yeah. off, probably from the actual. Well, the cold. way the way Barrack is described at some point is you can still see like marks like all around his neck from when he was yeah. hanged and yeah, stuff. Like yeah, you're still yeah, able yeah. to see that kind of thing, and so um, hmm. I think as he deteriorates, as he like loses his self and his like identity and his like internal vibe, then right. he also like is not able to regenerate, which brings up interesting conversations about somebody like Melisandre who we see to be also a fire white potentially maybe um which is a question that we can talk about by that Um, being a fire white yeah so like there's speculation you know that Melisandre just in the way she's described as like a lot of the ways that she's described kind of lines up to some different ways like Beric is described like she's like heat emanates from her and she doesn't like people don't see her eating like Things like that. We don't know about Beric yeah. or, or Thoros in this because Thoros being the, the red priest or whatever or is Beric is giving off a lot of the same characteristics because he's been yeah. so close to it. No, I think that Beric, so, I think that, sorry, you go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that the, the connections, you would think that it would be between Thoros and Melisandre initially just because it's like this very faith-fueled kind of thing. Sure. But when it comes down to descriptions and how they're described like as beings, um, Melisandre kind of lines up a little bit more with somebody like Beric in the way that she's described, like as a person. Right. Um, and mm. so what that could potentially mean if she is a fire white, what that might mean. They're both servants of the Lord in their own yeah. way too. So I mean, she's, she's being, I guess, propelled by the same sort of energy that's keeping him alive and presumed death. Right. So they would have, they would share a lot of the same characteristics. Yeah. But if she's like, she's very beautiful. So like if she is a fire white, how she's able to kind Maybe of. Maybe Beric's a good looking person. We don't know that. But we, we see his scar. Like we can hear about his scarring and things like that. Right. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, we don't really hear that from Melisandre. True. So. True. I don't know. Maybe he needs one of those necklaces. Yeah, whatever one of those do. necklaces are. <laughs> As we all age. <laughs> so so they don't age, but also they don't heal. Is that what it is? Or they do age. They're not, or like, maybe it's rapid aging. I would say they probably don't. They just stay, but they don't do other things that humans, I mean, we, we age, but we also, yeah. I mean, we, our cells regenerate. You know, it's like they're kind of they're, stuck in time, like stuck in mm, where they were. Mm. This also brings up other questions I had about Catelyn. Um, but yeah, it, well, that, I was going to talk about her. Too. I was going to mention her too, because she's, you know, three days dead and she's got this horrific, you know, her throat has been slit and she's got these gashes on her face and it's just horrifying. And, and basically from the sounds of it, everything is, just exactly the way she was when she was pulled out of the water. Can you imagine? Right. Yeah. The the blood is turned black and her skin is turned kind of like clammy pudding. This thing is yeah. described as pudding. It's yeah, just because it's been, she's been in the water. It's like, bring back those and food descriptions. when you are talking about Catelyn's dead face, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Can we please find some more cheese and pudding and right i don't know you think it was weird uh, for her to figure out how to talk by holding the neck flaps closed uh, <laughs> you played uh oh, lady stoneheart on stage once in a skit. what was that like can it you bring very, back one of the voices no, it's almost halloween it was very embarrassing for me personally because i was terrified but you did a great lady stoneheart, i think <laughs> thank you um i think that like so if they're reanimated where they are in the state that they died in and if they're reanimated both like in physical form and potentially like mental state okay. um mm-hmm. i think that would say a lot about like catlin as lady stoneheart i mean if she's gonna look like that always in that state of yeah if that's if that's her state of mind and if she's gonna look like that um always yeah. and that's like a, such a terrifying thing um and i don't know for sure if like the state of mind thing is real like i don't know enough and one of you guys might know about like Barrick's state of mind when he 
was reanimated for the first time, like how any of that maybe mm. continues on in his personality throughout the, his time that we see him. But I guess yep. that's like, that's a question about like Lady Stoneheart specifically that might help us answer mm-hmm. kind of the mechanics of being a firewhite more. What do you think about that Lady Gwen and whether or not if John is brought back with that same technology, let's call it him being like a first pass through how much he'll be affected by it. Well, I think so Beric. So here's the interesting thing to me is that, um, is that th- that statement from George that I read, which basically he flat out says that Beric Dondarrion is foreshadowing of all this by which he's talking about John, John's resurrection. Mm-hmm. So if Thoros and Beric foreshadows the sort of, Melisandre and John thing. Does that mean that, you know, so is just John going to be a firewhite like Beric, who granted has now been resurrected six times. He's on his seventh life. Too many times. And, and every time he says, um, I think I have a quote where he says, uh, um, he says, well, he says, uh, six times is is too many to Thoros. Mm. But basically, he's talking about how he's lost everything he was. Uh, he says to Thoros, can I dwell on what I scarce remember? I held the castle on the marches once. There was a woman I was pledged to marry. But I could not find that castle today, nor tell you the color of that woman's hair. Who knighted me? What were my favorite foods? It all fades. Sometimes I think I was born on that on the bloody grass in that grove of ash with the taste of fire in my mouth and a hole in my chest. So that was his first death. Um, he asks Thoros, if are you my mother? There's a kid's book called Are You yeah. My Mother? Oh yeah, I know that one. <laughs> Small birds, little right? bird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so He's, he loses a little bit of himself every time. So I think with John, if he's going to become a firewhite, just the first time, he doesn't necessarily have to lose a lot of himself. But, you know, he, he could come back very changed. Mm-hmm. Is that sure. what you think is going to go down? That that's, that, that that's um, what he's definitely going to come back as? Slash, do you even think he's going to come back or is that that curtains for John Snow. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, the show, like, George R. Martin pivots so like, hard on the show. The show. <laughs> yeah, it's not no. about fire and ice anymore. It's just about fire. So this, um, this, all uh, these statements about John and him being, you know, similar to Beric and not having, uh, and, and the fact that Beric doesn't have blood flowing in his veins that he's, he's basically animated by fire uh, rather than by blood. That <laughs> I find that very strange in terms of thinking about that in terms of John. And I mean, beyond when that revelation was made three years ago, that led to a lot of people discussing John's, um, abilities shall we say (laughs) his his manly abilities um but i mean just how does Jon snow the hero of the story go on like what changes for him when he no longer has blood flowing in his veins beyond his abilities (laughs) right and like i think i mean we can harp on the show day and night but one thing that we really didn't get at all is that when John is resurrected, he's basically the same. Um, and mm. it doesn't seem to be like, we don't really get to see him changed in any way that we hear from Barrick as that um, comparison is made. And so um, mm-hmm. when we talk about like what things might he lose as part of himself, that would be detrimental to him as a character. You know, I think about him like losing different memories or losing like personality traits or, um, if we think about Arya, forgetting about that is like the saddest thing I've ever heard in my life. If you forgot about Arya, um, <laughs> but him, like, so we going back to Lady Stoneheart. You know, if we're resurrected as a fire white mm-hmm. in a certain mental state, right. state of mind, what does mm-hmm. that mean for John, and what does that mean for his trajectory? Does that mean that he's mm-hmm. going to be? I mean, I can't imagine you would not. 
I can't imagine him not being totally pissed off that he died sure. that way. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And so I hope he is. Is mm. that something that is are we gonna see any of that in his personality? Um yeah. when we see him come back. Yeah, so like with both both Barrick and and Kat come back kind of singularly focused on the thing that was going on in when they died. You know, Barrick wants to he's gonna remain doing what he was doing, you know, with his band of outlaws. Well, they weren't outlaws the first time he died, but they quickly became that way. Same energy though. And then (laughs) Kat, you know, obviously is bent on revenge. Yeah. So John, what was happening when, when he was killed? I mean, he was, he was about to go after, uh, after Ramsey Bolton. Um, and he was, you know, killed when his, the organization that he leads is, you know, revolting against him. So I mean, right. I'd You're say those so two mildly. things are going to have to All of those like, guys, be those his very focus? specific guys that weren't, I guess, pulling their weight mm. in the right way that he saw fit. And there's such an important yeah. moment was happening with the entire realm and also letting all the free folk through mm-hmm. the wall. Decide that it was a good idea in the midst of all that to corner him against the wall and to stab him to death. Is what he'll be coming back right. into. That, yep. That's really fucked up, especially when you think about what he thinks is going on with his sister in Winterfell. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So his, his similar to, you know, Catelyn, who's, I mean, she is bent on revenge, but she also remembers mm-hmm. uh, that her daughters are still out there. And, you know, the, the brotherhood under Lady Stoneheart is looking for Sansa and Arya. So, you know, John could be very single-mindedly, you know, determined to save his sister. Uh, or, could you, imagine? you know, could have something to do with the wildlings because they were involved too. I mean, there's, while John's getting stabbed, there's absolute chaos going on around him. Yeah. You've got, a, the, the giant is rampaging, you know, and the, the wildlings are sure to be joining in with that. And obviously the Queen's men are there and, it's just going to be all these factions. Got Axel Florent in the post of John comes back in the wake of John coming back. Or? If he does, he's like, I've been in support of you wholeheartedly the entire time. I have literally never ever doubted you. Neither has Celise. Where is she? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Where is she? <laughs> right, right. She's going to be like not leaving her quarters at that moment. Just like I don't want to address this person after all this. It's going to be so weird. Do you really think, so you yeah. guys think that John is going to come back for sure? I mean, you can't say that John's not coming But I don't know how back. it's going to happen, though. I know we saw it in the show, but it's, mm-hmm. everything, is, everything is so wishy-washy in the show. It's just like Melisandre walks yeah. in the room. She cuts his hair. She walks. We Ghost, get that great shot of John coming back to life. Sure. And Ghost looks up. Like, he, he feels something happening in the room, I guess it seems. But kind of like how mm-hmm. you were talking about uh, in Frankenstein, where they just kind of avoided giving you the answer of how the technology really works. Yeah. The show did the same right. thing, where it's like, there's no real answer here. And I'm still confused about that. We don't really that. know what the answer exactly. is. Exactly. I don't, so I don't know how kinda... it's going to happen, so I can't really believe in it yet. And it's like, if he mm-hmm. came back as ice... Like because there's there's the whole there's the whole train of thought of putting him in one of the cells and eventually he raises us some kind of a white that has like the same kind of spirit that Cold Hands has where he's able to be himself in some sort of way or at least have a, a mm-hmm. modicum of humanity in some spectrum yeah. versus like a lifeless yep. zombie would that would be more along mm-hmm. the line of John of the North rather than John being brought back in the same technology as a Barrick or a Catelyn mm-hmm. or Vic's hand or anyone else that's brought back by the wouldn't that be a little bit more poetic to the story? But at the same time, there's so many whites and white walkers being brought back by the technology behind the white walkers that I feel like the handful of people we see brought back by Relore would be like somewhat within the ratio of like ice versus fire. But I don't know where John's going to fall in that. And I also don't know how important that is to the story necessarily. Is it all the same mm. thing through a different lens? I think might be the answer at the end of this, at the end of the seven books. I just don't know. Well, I would say for yeah. John specifically, something that we haven't talked about yet is ghosts and kind of yes. ghost role with John yes. coming yeah. back. For sure. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that could potentially change things or play a major role in who he is as a person when he returns based off of how ghost is either used or not used like in that situation. So, I think, Yeah, I think that's going to be a big factor in it. Like, I don't know exactly how that's going to factor in, but 
I don't know. I hate to look to the show for clues, but at least Ghost was in the room, and that they gave me some kind of good feeling about it. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it's a vote in that direction. I don't know. What do you think, though? We haven't talked about this. Uh, maybe you have to like give mm. your opinion on a full fledged episode of Radio Westeros, like where you're like, all right, <laughs> it's time. But I feel like I want to get a scoop somewhat. Like, what do you think? How do you think it's going to happen to John? Like, I know you think he's going to come back, but how do you think it's going to happen? Is it going to be in the cells, or is it going to be through some kind of magic through Melisandre, or something else? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think he might be stored in the cells. You know, because that's where they're storing their bodies these days. Uh, he's he's got a couple of corpses in there that he's waiting to see. Um, he brings these dead wildlings through the wall and puts them in the ice cells. Yeah, but they're they have iron chains on, so they don't they don't rise. You know, he's he's brought them over to see if they're going to rise like um, Othar and Jafer did, and um, and they don't. But the thing that I find interesting about that is that they have they have iron, which is supposed to, if you go down to the crypts of Winterfell, all the kings have iron swords in their laps, and it's supposed to keep the dead from rising. So um, I, I wonder if John gets put into an ice cell what that without might? any iron. Maybe he does rise, but I, t- I actually tend to think it'll be more Melisandre. I think okay. he might be put there temporarily. And um, that she raises him, but I could definitely see a version where where it's ice, and maybe it just happens, and she's like, "Wow, what just happened?" <laughs> you are the guy. I really need to like look at the fire and get an idea about what's happening right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or maybe so. she'll do something, and then it'll still be the ice, and she'll think, "Oh my god, look what I just did." In some strange way. I can do both. Right. I mean, maybe that's what the show was trying to do. Like, right. She's, she really wasn't doing much, right? Exactly. No, that's, that's a really good explanation, I think, of that moment. It seemed like there was more to do with just the sort of God behind the TV show or the God mode that involved ghosts somehow. I don't know, because she didn't right. do anything. We saw everything she did. We had footage of all the screen time, presumably, of her in that room. She didn't do anything. Yeah, but you think about... Well, I was going to answer a question that this isn't the answer to the question. So never mind. <laughs> I was, <laughs> what I was going to say is you, we just did on our show an episode, Vic, one of Vic's chapters when Makoro does all of his magic to his hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get this like point of view change where like instead of George R. R. Martin telling us instead of as a point of view character, he tells us what's going on in the room. Mm-hmm. He like, pulls out of the narrative and doesn't tell us what's going on. And so I feel like us not us seeing magic happen without necessarily understanding the mechanics of it is not something I'm like necessarily caught up in because there's just a lot that we don't understand. And so what Melisandre Mm -hmm. can and can't do, whether we like totally understand the mechanics to me, I don't know, but I think that like something interesting as we're thinking about like this Thoros Barrick slash Melisandre John comparison, if Melisandre brings John back to life in whatever way that she does it, is that something that she's going to do multiple times? Like, is John just going to be able to become this like forever living thing mm-hmm. and like really put himself out there twenty four seven because real. he knows that Melisandre's got his back? Wow, you know, or is this like a one time right, deal? Like, yep. Talk she's about like, like ultimate version little... of Targaryen after all that. What were you gonna say? Yeah, no, I I like this idea, which I mean, I don't necessarily know that this they think this is the way it's going to happen, but I like this idea of Mel being like the, you know, his personal revivalist uh-huh. <laughs> just yeah, that follows so him cool. along. She's like, right. oh, battle of the bastards, you died. Yeah, oh, right. You're back. Exactly. You know? John can just like. But be if out you here. follow that through to the conclusion, what like what Beric did in the end is is give up his life for someone. Right. Yep. So. You know, whether John gets brought back once or like Barrick six times, um, maybe the comparison is that in the end, he gives that gift of life to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know, who could that be? I was speculating to myself the other day, maybe it could be, you know, one of his siblings, Sansa. Yeah. I don't know, you know. That would be beautiful. Maybe Sansa, because he has all these weird kind of connections with Sansa that people pick up on. 
Like what? And find them somewhat odd. Well, do they just think about each other or she thinks about him and there's some, I don't know. There's just some, you get some weird vibes occasionally. There's very slight, but (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it's building to some, something that's completely unexpected like that. I like that idea. I hadn't really actually thought about that, like who he might give his life to at the end. Um, I don't know. I'm just. And I also, I also, <laughs> I, that's what this is for. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> right? I like, I like the like. It's an interesting thought as well as like as John continues to come. If if we go this route of like he, Melisandre just like brings him back to life hundreds of times, like as somebody who's potentially in like more than likely going to be in a position of power, and he's already in a position of power. How does him losing his ability to be himself, how does that like potentially change the way that he rules or is interacting with people mm. or making decisions and things like that? And and that might be something that it's like a realization that I can't keep being reckless and dying because I can't afford to not be John 100% of the mm-hmm. time. Right. Um, so I've got to like rein it in. So hmm. I don't know. Yep. I think that, that that comes like all of that is just going to come back when we understand who John is after he is resurrected and what kind of man he is and how different he is or not different he is, whether that's physically or mentally or, you know, whatever else. But Whatever's going on with him has got to be exacerbated by the connection he has with his dire wolf. And I feel like from the evidence that we've gotten, if you could just take it out of context from the first chapter or like the first couple chapters of, of uh, a Game of Thrones, you could think that maybe the dire wolves were happenstance, but as we've gotten evidence along the way it seems like it's a lot more than that we see that these star kids all have different levels of ability connected to some kind of we call it i guess old magic i feel like that's the only category we have for it right now because like i said earlier we don't really have the answer we have a lot of evidence but we don't have necessarily mm-hmm. answers specifically to what it's going to be that we can't ignore yep. whatever's going to happen to him being associated somehow or being affected by what's going on with ghost being so close by and also being so important to him. So I'm curious as to how that would shake out. I feel like that, that might be easy to ignore, but I think it also might be like a really big sort of obvious part of it mm-hmm. because it's been so present at this point so far in the story. Yeah. Especially you know? for him specifically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really all the star kids in their own way. Except yeah. for what's going on with Sansa and Lady Day, which I guess is poetic in its own way. In a way that yeah. I have to really think about. Right. Yeah, I would say that I would, well, I guess that's, I was going to say I would argue that John's connection with ghosts is like the strongest and most prevalent, but then you look at like Bran and Arya and that's not necessarily true, Mm -hmm. but um, yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I definitely think that that's like a piece that's going to change what what we already know, which is very little. (laughs) Dude, Robin Gray went so cool (laughs) as a pair. I know they were taken out of the story in such an unfair way so early but they were just such such a cool pair yeah i liked it who robin gray one oh yeah they were they were more like you know it was more like john and ghost because they were they were had the luxury of being together all the time i mean yeah exactly brand and summer kind of but they've had this long journey where summer's off a lot or or brand is actively warging um Summer, which is a different kind of relationship than what you see with John and Ghost and probably Rob and Greywin, where they're just more like companions and their right. warging is probably more of, of a fluid thing that just happens unconsciously. Like a dream, like because <laughs> Brand is just like being an active role in <laughs> yeah, everything and trying human flesh <laughs> through summer. I can relate being to that himself. though. Why not? Give it a shot. Yeah. That's awesome. Let me break every single taboo. Right. Yeah. But he's so young. He's like, I don't even know these taboos yet. Uh, he doesn't know they're taboos. But right. it's funny Wonder. because in that book you get you get Varamir's chapter where he points out what all the taboos are. Right. And then throughout the course of yeah. Dance with Dragons, Bran is breaks every single Checks one of them. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that stuff oh, with Varamir was so cool. <laughs> so cool. And like how much he how much he covets what John has with Ghost and just Ghost in general being like a sire or a king kingly, just like the top mm. of the line animal that he could use as a host for his consciousness. Mm. Everything is it's so interesting. I I love the sort of premeditation uh on George R. R. Martin's behalf to be like, you guys are gonna really think that this is cool, but to have done it so long ago, I feel neat. It's like <laughs> Thank you for doing your job. I'm just 
really excited at that point on that fact alone thinking about what sort of stuff that he's anticipated for us to sink our teeth into for the winds of winter and beyond at this point because we're in a whole different era of the world right now because that was the stuff he thought was cool back then i say back then i mean all the yeah. years ago when he was publishing those books then so think of all the new stuff that we have to factor into our sort of global consciousness that he's like let me try this out and i think that he will especially now with all this time it's not like he rushed to get the winds of winter out during the series because it was huge you know like he's still he's still so right now could that. be like hmm i have a new idea and put that in right now mm-hmm. absolutely yeah that's cool then he has to rewrite yeah. everything and then we're yeah. <laughs> back to square one <laughs> like yeah. next halloween we're having these same conversations um and here's my question though as we're like talking about fire whites and john coming back to life and all this kind of stuff i mean we haven't even really touched on the whole other side of the spectrum potentially like the others yeah whites oh yeah in general and kind of um if there are opposites to each other like how like if there's any similarities that we know between these two types of magic and these two types of beings um and kind of how they maybe compare or how they're so wildly different from each other um, and then how mm-hmm. we might see the others, you know, showing up and flexing their own different kinds of power. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, if there's a fire equivalent to the others, I don't know. But that's yeah, I, I wonder, like, is it is Melisandre the. I don't know. Is she the fire equivalent to the others? I mean, the sort of like the embodiment of I, I guess the others, I would say. Because they're not really uh, undead themselves, they're they're more like the embodiment of ice magic, or right. ice made flesh, right? So, is Melisandre fire made flesh? And that's, that, what I'm that's afraid slightly of. different than being a fire white. Maybe I don't really get it. I feel like we're using sort of uh, like first level terrestrial terms to describe like early uh, medicine, you know, to describe something that we don't really understand when it comes down to there being some kind of governing force within the world that might all be one thing or might be something that has uh, opposites to each other. I'm not sure, but like we're calling it Mm -hmm. ice magic or we're calling it fire magic, but in some way, like they're able to access or harness or uh, some kind of lensing effect to focus the energy that I don't know what it has Mm -hmm. to do specifically with, with resurrection. Um, but as we talk about it and, and I, and I hear us talking about what information we have available to us at this point, it seems like that's what it's, that's what it sounds like to me that we're describing something at the early stages of understanding because of the information that we have. And it seems yes. familiar to me of things that from our real world that we now have more information on that we're able to sort of fill in the mm-hmm. gaps on, like we know to wash our hands because it carries pathogens that might infect open wounds, you know, but like, I feel like we're talking yeah. about the sort of technology within Westeros of the magic in a way that is yeah. before that point of understanding sort of micro, mm-hmm. like things that we can't see germs, things that we can't see. And like that, right. these life forms are able to access that technology. But I don't know if they're different. They, they might be, though. they might be like, to me, it seems like Melisandre's ability to use the shadow baby so early in the series indicates that it's not just a practical understanding we were talking about with Kyburn, but that there actually is some aspect of all of this that requires some kind of spell work in a way. Well, we know, we know for sure that the others can, like they are capable of resurrecting people. Like we, I feel like we've got like a more, the most, I'm losing my train of thought, but like the, like the most prevalent example is we have, (laughs) So, <laughs> yes, he did it. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm talking about very important things, Ghost Sir. <laughs> I was like, why am I losing my train of thought? I love the guest appearance. That was awesome. <laughs> Sorry, what were we talking about? <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> oh, um, the, the, being the like, same thing or not? What I was trying to what I was trying to say, I'm actually grateful I that, that I get man. a little bit of a redo. Um, so thank you for that. What I'm trying to say is that the whites, the others creating whites, is like the most straightforward um, 
example we have of resurrection master of the dead, slave yeah right. in a song of ice and fire yeah. and you know we don't necessarily understand like what that relationship is but we know for a fact that is something that's happening right for sure it's like how mm-hmm. if Vermeer or if Bran, let's say like powerful wargs, are able to put their consciousness into a host life form, what if there's a collective consciousness that is behind whatever the White Walkers are doing? And it's essentially mm. the way that the show sort of used it was putting it inside of a character, the Night King, where you kill him, you kill everyone. What if it's a global yeah. consciousness? Or let's say it is the, the Night King, where essentially mm-hmm. they're able to actually war into willing hosts or unwilling hosts because they're dead and they're able to animate mm-hmm. all of these things simultaneously yeah. the same way that a war like brand would do yeah just like i don't know like splinters of their consciousness go right out Ow. what if you're on uh, figures this out well <sighs> <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things that I don't want your aunt to figure out. No shit, dude. No. That, that right there is what it's all about. There's a lot of things at this point in the story. Could you imagine how mad we would become, all of us collectively, as a just a world reading these stories, if Yaron Greyjoy becomes someone that's like, you know what? Kicks down the door and starts understanding how to use that form of magic when no one else does. Well, like having Right, this- exactly. Your face is right. <laughs> somebody control this like collective masses and it's like you i mean you reference the night king and again the way the show does it and like the way that that ends it, i mean it's a very terrifying thing that's very prevalent in the storyline of you've got these zombie single-minded things that we don't really know how to kill i mean we do but like we don't really have the ability to actually do it in a large scale um and so I like the idea. I think, I don't know, like Euron's like the guy. I don't know. But, you like um, that idea? No, I, I'm changing my mind. But anyway, I don't know what I'm trying it to is say. Kind of I'm like getting confused. But, um, a, little, like, a little like on the on the fence of like, Ugh, it sucks, but it could be cool. But the, this idea of like a collective, I mean, that's a very terrifying thing. And watching that play out, that's like a real genuine threat with this like mm-hmm. these single-minded collective things that are just like out to get you i mean that's the most like you're black and white using people. That? either you're on using that or them or like the others are able to control the whites in some mm. way and being able to use them on like a less collective way when i mean we know that they can keep their you know so let's you know they're whites they're undead servants you know they can kind of keep them in in stasis, I guess, because you had well, you had Other and Jafer at first, right. who were, you know, appeared dead. Then they came through the wall. And then they woke up. I mean, something made them wake up, but we didn't really understand that. And then, um, then you see when Bran is going to the cave, uh, they're all hiding under the snow, uh-huh. and they all just kind of burst out. But it's right. not really ne- clear yeah. that they were like you're onto something right now, though. You're they, talking about they, like the places in which that they were around, like the wall being a bar from that. Like people that die south of the wall don't resurrect as White Walkers right. or as whites, and people so, inside of the cave don't either. So, like, why are they right outside mm-hmm. the cave? And why are they right? But outside right outside, the wall? presumably, they did. if the trees weren't cleared away, wouldn't they be right mm-hmm. there? Or if the the Night's Watch weren't there, ranging and patrolling, wouldn't they be right there but, outside the wall? So what's it, but what's controlling them, you know, as they're, as they're lying under the snow, I guess it's not entirely clear that they're, you know, just lying there kind of like, you know, waiting or that, that they're not controlling themselves. But then you hear about these dead things in the water at hard home. Uh What's up with that? I mean, are they just like. Think about the water outside of the mines of Moria. Probably the same energy. Yes. But, but through the technology. Or the dead marshes also exactly. in, in Tolkien. Exactly. With the, with the faces and they're just like dead guys looking right. up at you, you know. They're kind of like sentinels. They're just they're just a defense mechanism for some what. Yeah. And I'm trying to understand so what, what that them? thing is. is exactly. But what's behind that thing is, that activates it? Or who set the trap yeah. for that thing to activate it? Yeah. In the case of Lord of the Rings, the Watcher is a life form that's left over from a period that's a warring time, much more ancient in the current third age. Mm-hmm. So let's like, we can throw that one probably out for now. Let's say maybe that is a leftover thing. And, and kind of like, yeah, I wondered, you know, are they from, are they something left over from 
from the doom or are they, uh, you know, you think the I don't doom know. Could reach are, that far? Well, do we have any I don't know. like geological indicators of like ash or like sediment or things? There guess- was a big explosion up there at some point. I don't know if it's related to the doom. And I'm really reveal, yeah, that there something has something happened at Hard Home in the past. Some yeah. kind of oh, whether that was like a magical but, or like a. Yeah, we don't know if it was a geological thing, if it was a magical (laughs) thing. Have these bodies been there all this time? Right. You know, or are they just sort of like planted there by the others most recently? It's probably more likely the the latter, or or the, or sorry, the, the, whatever, the prior, previous point, the first point, the former, yeah. The first one. They've been there for just. Just kind of like floating in the water. And we're here like looking for significance, trying to tie it to whatever the White Walkers are doing. And they don't even have a leader in the books at this point. There's no like fin- right. fantastical Night King with a cool sword <laughs> killing people. Can I read the hard home thing? I want to read Cotter Pike's yeah, yeah, message yeah. because I think that that kind of yes, ties in everything. Do it. So his letter from hard home, um, this is what it says. It says, at hard home with six ships, wild seas, Blackbird lost with all hands, two Lysenia ships driven around skiing and talon taking water very bad here wildlings eating their own dead dead things in the woods Ravosi captains will only take women children on their ships which women call us slavers attempted to take storm crow defeated six crew dead many wildlings eight ravens left dead things in the water mm-hmm. send help by land seas wrapped by storms from talon the hand of Maser armin whatever um i mean so we get like this that's the description that we have of what's happening there that's right so now. Chilling. And the dead things in the woods, dead things in the waters. I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about. Have they been yeah. there and wait or um, are they being sent there? You know, I think both are. Even yeah. Or are they being created fresh by something that's there? You know, right. are these just dead wildlings that are, you know, he says the wildlings are eating their dead. Oh, Better than well, them turning back into whites, though, that we, they have to fight. I guess. I mean, that's, so, you know, at that you point, you start them, to I guess, break <laughs> it up. If you, so let's say fire is considered some sort of alchemical process where the magic is canceled out. Is there some kind of magical process in eating as well? It seems like just if we go back to the Kyber and more practical aspect of all this, just breaking down the mm. flesh apart from the nervous system allows you to separate it from whatever reanimation technology there is. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> like, if you take the flesh away from the nerves, then it can't come back yeah. to you and fight you and kill you. So if you yeah. eat it or burn right. it. So if you eat it. Uh, That's like the most safest way to right. consume. Unless, unless, like, you know, however the digestive system does or doesn't break that down, like, are you reanimated, like, from the inside? Oh, man. You know, I don't know. Is that it like a virus? Yeah, is it like a virus, which yeah. isn't that... Which COVID. zombie? There's a z- recent <laughs> zombie movie or story that it was a virus, right? You I mean know. the one that we're living through? No, th- is there something where you eat something it turns into something? That might no. be something. I, don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> no, no, no. What was I watching? It was a bad old movie that they remade. Uh, what's his name? The guy from Inglorious Bastards. Anyway, I don't know. Someone knows what's um, listening. You know, he played the, the bear Jew with the bat. He he does horror movies. He remade a yes. horror movie twice. He did the same one twice. And I watched the, he did the same movie, like 10 or 12 years apart. Of the like same movie. I know. <laughs> and I watched it and they, uh, the woods, something like that. It had like an infectious disease. It was in the water though. Either way, right. it was a bloodborne illness. Right. I don't know how that, how that connects to this. You see, there's weird stuff going on, but I really think these conversations are important because we don't have books. We don't have new books to connect mm-hmm. all the dots. So understanding the sort of God mode behind what the author is doing might help us get to some point of understanding it mm-hmm. better. And it right. seems more likely that it's all connected in one more one source rather than a bunch of different disconnected sources. So can I just take a moment to zoom out from where we are at the north of Westeros? If Makoro is able to do this in Slaver's Bay, then it's not necessarily geographically like there's no source of power that's being that's emanating. That was not you. That sneezed. <laughs> Bless you. If if it's not uh, if we don't have to be close to the wall 
to deal with this issue or to mess with mm. the same power that is uh, that might be the kind of thing that is behind what brings back Jon Snow, then how important is it to there being some kind of magical source radiating from the sort of flesh of the earth and more, more so in the understanding of the people behind what they can do themselves as living beings? I'm going to build off your question mm. a little bit because we're about time where we need to wrap. But I think that we, we, we have to go for three hours on this guys. <laughs> really? <laughs> but as we're talking about, There's a lot left to talk about as we're talking about um, like significance of where this power is coming from, whether that's like based in locale or like learned magic, you know, all these different things you've been talking about. Um, what does that mean for the series? Like how important are these things, these undead things going to be when we talk end game? I know obviously John is somebody that is probably like, mm the most important as we talk about people coming back to life, but like how important is a like understanding the mechanics of these different magic dragons or B um, <laughs> understand the mechanics of this <laughs> or B. Um, I don't remember the third thing, but how much did we good need? though? I just got distracted by it. Um, <laughs> how much? By- yeah, how much do I know? Whatever. I mean, you guys know what I'm trying to say. I know what you're trying to say. <laughs> I'm trying to do a cool wrap-up question. It was a cool one. I liked it. <laughs> so, uh, all right, I care? have one. Yeah. What up, Tara? There's Tara. Oh, I can't hear you. You're muted. I'm just popping in for the end of this. That's, that's what, do you, okay. what do you think so about this? So one final question, maybe? Do we, yeah. do we have any, que- any predictions for future zombies? Like people that yeah. Are we going to see somebody that we know and love become an undead? Aside from the people we already know and love that are undead. Besides yeah. the people we already know and love who are undead people. Okay, the obvious, but anyone else? Like maybe dragons that we aren't, know and Aren't love? they maybe? that, though, dragons? from the petrified eggs, right? Aren't, isn't the sort of same thing happening mm-hmm. with them after what happened in the tent with Mary? Maybe, maybe they're like a shadow sort of, of what yeah. they would be. Like maybe that's part of the reason why that's what their personalities are. They're so tameable to a Targaryen that's been disconnected from her. Uh, from I mean, her I guess if like a, the rest of them were. If if the show was right and we got an ice dragon, I guess that would satisfy what I was wondering: is if we mm. would see any people become these kind of ice whites, like you know, reanimated by the others in in a most horrific way, because you know. I guess a dragon would do it for me, but it, I mean, if it was a character that you loved and they just got turned into one of these shambling ice zombies, you'd be especially. Totally. Wait, I have two things to think about that. One, another showism is like, um, yeah, <laughs> another showism would be like, you know, when Arya in the crypts, when like people being reanimated down there, yeah. like that's kind of cool. Mm. That's like. Ice. They take the iron away from them because they yeah. need to use it to fight, and all of a sudden they all come back. Exactly. I love and then what you said about the start. alloy, though. Like iron versus obsidian and how it affects them being resurrected or not. That's beautiful. Mm. And there's probably something mm. to do with the molecular structure of all that George mm-hmm. is like factoring into. All yeah. That. And maybe so somebody new. we love, like maybe somebody we know being animated in the ice way, like would help us better understand kind of the mechanics of that. And, yes. Like, see it more mm. similarities between like fire whites and all that kind of stuff. But. I don't know. Hmm. Like well, we said, I definitely, I, I feel like we're definitely going to see, like our the characters are going to see some of their friends turned into whites, and we're going to read like them them seeing like. I, I, I that's one thing that I think is probably likely to happen. Um, yeah, I think yeah. you're right because I think it wouldn't have, it won't have the same impact if it's just like so far the people that have been whited that you've seen that you recognize were all kind of like bad guys like chet and a bunch of the people that were so it's like very black mutiny, and white evil you know? yeah. it's not this gray evil yeah you know nothing that, no one that you really cared about that you saw yeah. um the closest you got and you didn't really see him was Tormund's son you know he talks about having right. to kill his son but i think that that's a good point to that we'll see more of that yeah, I mean, I, I hate to I hate to bring Walking Dead into this because it's gone to such shit. But um, you know, that's that's one thing about the Walking Dead. It's like you don't really care about the walkers, obviously, when they're just like rando walkers. But like mm-hmm. every once in a while, you see, um, especially the ones where you haven't seen this character for a while, and then you see them as a walker, and it's like, oh wow, that's actually like that's a little hit. That's a little it's hit like right Bill there. Murray in Zombie yeah. Land. You're like, wait a second, I know that's a zombie. That's fucking Bill Murray. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> so it's going to be happening in the story, both meta and physically. Like we'll have people that are being blended in ways where it's like, I don't know who to support, but at the same time, we're also going to have, there'd be strange resurrections and mixing of people being of varying levels of dead and undead at the same time. That's perfect way to weave that in for us. Mm-hmm. That's, that's great. Um, so, all right. I'm going to let this one last question come in just because I like it. Um, Lonely cat wants to know, will anything happen with the 79 Sentinels? And then once you guys have answered that, we'll sign off for the evening. Well, you know, there they are frozen bodies in the wall. If the wall falls or they somehow get, you know, like any Probably. of those bodies in the ice cells that John has, I guess they could certainly be, you know, they weren't burned properly. <laughs> so they're, they, I mean, or they, eaten. Yeah. Or eaten. And, or eaten, as we were saying. <laughs> nobody, nobody did either of the two approved methods of disposing <laughs> of their bodies. The only so. two that we know about so far. <laughs> Speaking of, e- of eating people, you know, harken back to last week's uh, cannibalism exactly. webcast, you know, so if, you guys, if anybody watching this exactly. hasn't watched that one, it is on our YouTube channel. Please check They it. all sort of, you know, cross over each other. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- yeah. The, these next few weeks, so maybe, maybe not next week so much with the curse of Heron Hall, but oh, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler. Um, yeah, all right. There's more eating people. <laughs> Uh, so, so yeah, any any last thoughts from you guys before I wrap this up? What we said at the no. beginning, which is like, there's more questions than answers to any of this kind of stuff, and so I feel like we just asked seven million questions. But thank you for doing this because we all we all <laughs> miss the con, and this is something at least, and I really appreciate. It. I know I, I feel really I bad, like it being Halloween weekend, you know, I knew people were going to be with their families and stuff like that. So I didn't want to do a full weekend of programming. I mean, honestly, I also couldn't really um, do a full weekend of programming like we did back in April. Um, But yeah, let's just keep our like fingers and toes and everything else crossed for April and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, stay safe and everything. And, and, and yeah, like we, we had fun last week. Uh, This is, I've obviously I've listened to been, been taking part in the chat for most of this has been really great. Thank you guys so much again for joining. Um, And I, I kind of, you know, slipped up. I didn't really slip up. I mentioned that we are doing one next Friday as well, which we haven't, if you were a Patreon, you actually would have known about these weeks ago, just saying, uh, or a patron, sorry. Um, so you can check us out on patreon.com backslash Ice and Firecon. But yeah, uh, so next week's is again a Friday. This will be November 6th at 8 p.m. Eastern. And we're going to be talking about the Curse of Heron Hall. So keeping up the sort of creepy vibe that we had last week and this week. And um, and then we'll, you know, we'll take a break and and. Uh, you know, d- depending on what goes on the the rest of this year, beginning of next year, I don't necessarily foresee us doing a bunch of virtual content like this, but we might do, you know, one or two things here or there because we've really enjoyed um, just kind of keeping, uh, keeping the fam like involved and stuff like that. So again, mm-hmm. thank you. Thank you, Lady Gwen and Hannah and Zach for helping out and joining yeah. us tonight. Um, it was really great, really fun to listen to and, and take yeah. yeah of course Thank of you. course so Thank you guys have a wonderful night everybody have a happy halloween <laughs> um don't eat any people and uh you know <laughs> stay alive and stuff so okay. watch your hands wear a mask bye. social distance i love you guys yeah, that's right <laughs> bye <laughs> thank you guys that was fun that was so much fun i'm glad we got to have that combo <laughs> <laughs>